Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made for January 27th, 2021. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee and the tax collector, it's quite the lineup. And it's one in which Jesus pits a Pharisee, a know-it-all lawyer, against the contemptible tax collector, the scourge of the community. It's a test of wills, a test of whose prayer will God honor the most. But because it is a parable of Jesus, we already realize that the deck has been stacked. It is stacked because Jesus paints the Pharisee in the traditional role of know-it-all. He has all the answers. He's not seeking forgiveness. He is seeking justification. Instead of asking God to help him examine his soul, he is telling God the litany of deeds he has done. Tax collector, on the other hand, can barely scarcely be in the presence of God, for all he knows is the sum total of his sins, and that God alone can forgive those sins. Why does Jesus put these two individuals together? Because he is trying to teach us something. Jesus tells no parable without the intention of taking us on a journey. The story is not as complicated as we would like it to be. It's more a question of how do we present ourselves before God? Do we present ourselves before God 
with a sense of dictation or do we present ourselves before God with a sense of reconciliation? Now, I'm not sure if it was the case that because the Pharisee was so well-versed in Scripture, so well-versed in God's law that he just didn't feel the need to think about the gaps in his life, the upsets in his routine. Though it was certainly the case that the tax collector would have known where he stood in the community, he would have known the contempt that his fellow citizens would have had for his position, his duty, his responsibilities. They would have had no desire to want to consort with him. In fact, they might even have had a problem with him even wanting to go to temple to offer himself. Loathsome as he was, But Jesus inverts the narrative and takes the villain of the story, takes the individual who has had such contempt heaped upon them, and he makes them the focal point. He makes them the individual that we need to align ourselves with. It's difficult. See, we were led to believe that when we attached ourselves to religion, when we attached ourselves to the gospel in our context, that we would have no need for instances like this. There would be, we would be on the side of the Pharisee. We would be able to run down the litany of everything that we had done right that pleases God, or at least gives us the indication that God is pleased that we would never have to come crawling to God on hands and knees and ask for God's mercy. I think it's good that we don't think of ourselves as bad people. I don't necessarily think it's useful. I don't think it's useful because we can tell and spin that line with such frequency that we can do ourselves a disservice. The Pharisee obviously was so caught up in his narrative. He looked back over all the instances in which he had been observing the law. And he was on a roll. I am glad that you have not made me like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. But then he he turns and acknowledges the tax collector and says, even make this tax collector over here. Even in the midst of his prayer, as he is magnifying and lauding himself, he is casting aspersions and judgment on another who is right there in the temple with him. If God listens to the entirety of our prayers, and I believe God does, that's probably not a good way to pray. Going in with a litany of all of one's accolades, all of one's achievements. It's almost as if the Pharisee was on the cusp of interrupting God and saying, hold on, I'm not finished yet. I want to tell you about some more good things that I've done. And I am glad, God, that you have fashioned me as this good person. That I can 
stand and remain distinct from this tax collector right over here. I don't even know why he's here. Then when Jesus shifts the focus to the tax collector and we hear him in a most humble and broken down fashion and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's his prayer. That's the sum total of his prayer. Maybe the truth is, is that both men knew who they were, but only one was being honest with himself. That the Pharisee knew that he had been raised up in the community. People actually had looked upon him with favor. This is a learned man. This is a man who understands the law. This is a man who gives a tenth of all that he earns. This is a man who is upright, who is of good conduct and character according to society and societal norms. But this is a man who is also broken. But he doesn't acknowledge that in his prayer. He brings society's definition of himself. This is the Pharisee. He brings society's definition of himself and he brings it and he lays it before God and says, this is pretty good, isn't it? I'm looking pretty good. Thank you for making me a decent human being. But on the other hand, the tax collector also is bringing society's understanding of him. And he claims it. But I think it's more because he has recognized what he's done. Be merciful to me, a sinner. There's so much packed into that phrase. We have no idea what the tax collector is feeling remorseful about. Maybe he hasn't been to the temple that often. Maybe it actually has nothing to do with his work. Maybe there's some backstory we don't know about. But he knows that he has not been giving God his due. He finally makes it at the temple. And he is so filled with remorse. So filled with lapsed prayer that all he can do is say just be merciful to me a sinner we will start right there let's just start there it's a good starting place for us it's an excellent starting place for us but unfortunately when we've had some accomplishments in life and people start to define us according to those accomplishments we have in our life, we start to side more with the Pharisee type thinking and less with the tax collector. You get one affirmation, you get another affirmation, you get a compliment, you get another compliment. These snowball into an inflated ego. We read the gospel in a sense in which it's like, well, since we're all made in God's image, and if these people are affirming me, and they're made in God's images, it must mean God is affirming me. See, see how theology can get tricky? It's tricky. The battle is always with us. I mean, other people can accentuate where we're at in our life, but the battle for spiritual identity. That is all an internal struggle.
we are as much saint and sinner as we can bear. But the Pharisee in this parable is not really exhibiting saintly behavior. He's just not. Read the prayer for yourself. It's right here, Luke 18, starting at verse 9. He says to himself, I am glad that I am not like other men. And then he goes and lists off loathsome individuals, like that tax collector. Then he goes on to affirm it with, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. I do good deeds. I do what your law requires, except for loving my neighbor as myself. Whoops. Left that part out. And he doesn't even really love God either. He loves He loves the the notion of God. He loves the image of a God who's pleased with him because he's pleased with himself. I think I need to say that again. The Pharisee loves the notion of a God who's pleased with him because he is pleased with himself. And that's not being honest. We can please ourselves over a great number of things. We can bring ourselves to a point where we can rationalize even the most contemptible of behavior and call it good because we got away with it. And then we can say, see, God's pleased with me because I didn't get busted, because I didn't get caught, because... I was able to get away with it. But this tax collector, his prayer is authentic. His prayer is authentic. He just comes forward and says, I need help. I need mercy. I've messed up. I don't want to stay messed up. Right? That's why he's going to temple. The tax collector is going to temple because he doesn't want to stay messed up. He knows that there's a problem. He doesn't want to stay miserable. He doesn't want to stay and remain a sinner. He doesn't want that. He wants mercy. So he goes to God and says, Be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't want to be like this forever. I know this is not the condition that you wanted for me. So that's why I'm here. But it does start with that personal inventory. Two men going up to a temple to pray. One going to affirm themselves. The other one going to seek the redirection that only God can provide. It is a process. It is work every day. It's work. Every day we desire to renew that covenant with God. And we are tempted. This, You know why this parable is significant? Because this is the temptation that we face every day. We face this temptation every day. You have a good day. When you have a good day, you end the day like the Pharisee. You look back on the course of your day. You look back on your accomplishments. You look back on the deals that you've made and the arrangements and... You finished an assignment. 
And you say, yeah, <laughs> I am so glad you have not made me like those other ne'er-do-wells who can't finish their tasks. You don't have skills. You don't have abilities. Losers. I am so glad you have made me like I am. And we get that sense of just feeling bolstered. We're so steeped in our own accomplishment. We say, certainly God was behind that. Then you have a miserable day. You have a garbage day. Everything you do just falls flat, collapses. I don't know if we'd go so far as to say that we are sinners and sinful people. Because we really do have a hard time with that word. We have a very difficult time with owning mistakes, owning poor judgment, owning things that are just done poorly. Things that are just wrong. But on a bad day, we are more inclined to think like, well, I could have done better. I didn't do so well on that one. I kind of fell down on that one. We're still pretty good at wanting to shift the blame. You know, colleague at work failed me. Car broke down. Kids got sick. Animal chewed the briefcase. Yeah, there's still some some blame shifting that goes on a little bit. It wasn't entirely our fault, but but on a bad day, when things don't go as they should, we are a little bit more inclined to say, eh, all right, okay, can't win them all. But the, 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 the tax collector is not saying that he can't win them all. He's like, look, I'm a sinner. I messed up. I messed up, God. We don't know how he messed up. We don't know the last time he was up to temple to pray. But we know he defines himself as a sinner in need of God's mercy. And Jesus says, that man went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled at some point. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14.